The operator, who's this? Don't talk to me. Do you remember? No. Call me up. Sweetheart, I don't remember you. Cut the crap, lady. You said our conversation was confidential, and I trusted you. And then you called me, and you asked me for money. Am I right? Am I right? Get your supervisor on the phone. Whoever owns that place, I want him on the phone. Do you hear me? OK, can you hang on a second, please? No more phone crap. I'm not getting out with you. Yeah, this is Dean. Hey, it's me. This guy calling on the other line. He's saying all this stuff. He wants to talk to a supervisor or whatever. What'd you say? Nothing. I put him through. No, no, no. This is bad. Something shut up. Happen. Will you shut up? Okay, sexy. I'm going to connect you with my supervisor now. You're in trouble, honey. Yeah, who's this? Hello, sir. Called your service yeah, the other you night. shut the fuck up? Oh, what's that? I said calm down and shut the fuck up. What's the problem? The problem is, if you give me a chance to explain, one of your employees, that girl who I was just speaking with, has been threatening me. All right, go fuck yourself. That shit has nothing to do with me. All right, I run a legitimate business here. Listen to me. What's your name, sir? Answer me! What's your name, asshole? You can be anybody, You're a bad head. person. You have no right taking people's confidence in your service. You understand me, sir? You're sick. No, no, no. Shut up! Shut the fuck up! You have up. no right to take me Shut up! Will you shut up? Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! Shut up! Now! Are you threatening me, dick? Why don't you... You go fuck yourself! Oi! Fuck! Did you just say go fuck myself? Yes, I did. That wasn't good! You're dead! Free speech, like this, is far from free. Civil discourse, commonly known as the open exchange of ideas, comes at the cost of valuing self-expression, subjectivity, and hopefully, radical tolerance. Not just from an individual's perspective, but from the world at large and the democratic governments in which we live. Freedom of speech is a uniquely human principle that supports the freedoms of an individual or community to articulate their opinions and ideas without fear of retaliation, censorship, or unlawful sanction. Yet the freedom of speech has shifted in societal interpretations recently, 
particularly the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Enshrined in the Bill of Rights and ratified on December 15, 1791, the First Amendment prevents Congress from making any law prohibiting the free exercise of religion, abridging the freedom of speech in public press and print, the right to peacefully assemble, or the ability to petition for a governmental redress of grievances. Globally, freedom of expression is recognized as an inalienable human right under Article 19 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, or UDHR. Article 19 of the UDHR states, everyone shall have the right to hold opinions without interference. Everyone shall have the right to the freedom of expression. This right shall include freedom to seek, receive, and impart information and ideas of all kinds, regardless of frontiers, either orally, in written or in print, in the form of art, or through any other media of their choice. The exercise of these rights, as Article 19 states further, carries special duties and responsibilities, and may therefore be subject to certain restrictions, when necessary for the respect of rights or the reputation of others, in general for the protection of national security or public health. Therefore, freedom of speech and expression may not be recognized as being absolute or even unconditional. Current limitations to the freedom of speech relate to libel, slander, classified information, copyright violation, trade secrets, food labeling, non-disclosure agreements, the right to privacy, and threatening public security. But the last item, threatening public safety, is vague, which only establishes a spectrum of subjective opinion of what constitutes a threat, or more specifically, a potential threat yet to manifest itself from words to enacted violence. With the evolution of the digital age, application of the freedom of speech becomes more controversial as new means of communication and restrictions arise. Joe Glanville, editor of the Index on, on Censorship, believes the internet has been a revolution for censorship as much as it has been for free speech. Historically, freedom of speech has had a contentious relationship with international human rights well before going online. The ancient Athenian democratic principle of free speech may have even emerged in the late 6th or even early 5th century BC. The values of the Roman Republic included freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And even England's refined Bill of Rights of 1689 legally established the constitutional right of freedom of speech in Parliament, which is still in effect today. Under Stalinist rule and overarching communism, the philosopher Karl Popper said that free societies have the right to protect themselves by suppressing enemies of freedom. Yet the radical Marxist philosopher, Herbert Marcuse, identified militarists, capitalists, and anti-communists like Karl Popper as the enemies of freedom who ought to be suppressed. Then when and how do we justify one person's opinion over the other? We can look at the harm principle, proposed in 1989's On Liberty essay written by John Stuart Mill, who suggested the only purpose for which power can be rightfully exercised over any member of a civilized community, against their will, is to prevent harm to others or there ought to exist the fullest liberty of professing and discussing, as a matter of ethical conviction, any doctrine, however immoral it may be considered. But that's still extremely presumptuous and unpredictable, relying on a blind outcome from a subjective perspective. Based on Milton's arguments, 
Freedom of speech is better understood as a multifaceted right that includes not only the freedom to express or disseminate information and ideas, but three further distinct aspects broken down as one, the right to seek information and ideas, two, the right to receive information and ideas, and three, the right to impart information and ideas. Mill argues that the fullest liberty of expression is required to push arguments to their logical limits. But then what distinguishes free speech from, say, hate speech? How far is too far? Hate speech as a definable term or offensible action in the United States is comparatively unregulated when compared to that of most of other liberal democracies. Perhaps for the very same reason it is so hard to define, unless we're attempting to be very specific. Yet some countries are even more aggressive about policing speech. And not only those nations commonly associated with restricted expression, say like those in the Middle East or North Korea's dictatorship. In China, for instance, an initiative by the government's Ministry of Public Security called the Golden Shield Project now filters potentially unfavorable data from foreign countries. Known as the Great Firewall of China, the system blocks content by preventing certain IP addresses. Denmark prohibits hate speech and defines it as publicly making statements by which a group is threatened, insulted, or degraded due to race, nationality or ethnic origin, faith, or sexual orientation. And in my own neighbor to the north, Canada views advocating genocide against any identifiable group as an indictable offense under their recently passed C-16 bill or its official name, an act to amend the Canadian Human Rights Act and the Criminal Code. The law passed by the Canadian Parliament adds recent gender expression and gender identity as protected grounds to the Canadian Human Rights Act, and also to the Criminal Code provisions dealing with hate propaganda, incitement to genocide, and aggregating factors in sentencing. The bill is intended to protect individuals from discrimination within the sphere of federal jurisdiction and from being the targets of hate propaganda. Yet staunch opponents like Dr. Jordan Peterson, a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, criticized the bill, claiming that it infringed on freedom of speech. In 2016, Ben Shapiro, an equally outspoken Jewish author, lawyer, and sociopolitical commentator, was banned from speaking at DePaul University because of the pressures of a campus minority threatening to disrupt the event. Despite if one agrees with their respective points of view, most would concede mob mentality should never govern or impede freedom of speech without any evidence of potential violence. It completely undermines the judicial system we spent centuries building, as well as erodes educational institutions as an intended forum for the exchange and criticisms of all ideas, from the worst to the best. After all, a free society depends on the open exchange of ideas regardless of their potential capability of offending someone. Facts don't care about your feelings. Many of the most important, profound ideas in human history, such as those of Galileo Galilei and Charles Darwin, caused great religious offense in their time. The scientific revolution and the Enlightenment alone were turbulent periods of upending our traditional perspectives of religion, including our very place in the universe and the astronomer Nicholas Copernicus faced fierce resistance from ecclesiastical authority when he discovered the earth revolves around the sun. Without that exchange of ideas, 
our current understanding of the world would be unrecognizable and entirely false. Everything we know about the world, from the age of our civilization and species to the laws that govern energy and the complex workings of our body and brain, has come into being first by free speech, nurtured by the inner exchange of ideas and curated into our collective knowledge if deemed worthwhile and standing the test of time. But free speech or hate speech should never come at the expense of human life. Freedom of speech is what both makes up and defines our social contract. It enables people of radically different opinions to live together without violence. Usually. With examples abound, we've seen how tragic the debate over the freedom of expression can escalate. Look no further than the recent deadly attacks at the office of Charlie Hebdo, a satirical French magazine which released a front cover showing a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad. The magazine has been the target of two terrorist attacks, in 2011 and 2015. Both were presumed to be in response to a number of controversial Muhammad ca cartoons it published. But in the second of these attacks, on January 7, 2015, two Islamic gunmen forced their way into the Paris headquarters of Charlie Hebdo and made the scenario very real by opening fire. Twelve people were killed, including the publishing director and several other prominent cartoonists. While we may debate the ethical and moral limits of religious satire, the best way to uphold tolerance is to uphold equal speech for all, not to define new categories of reasoning to persecute innocent people. This is why the Supreme Court unanimously reaffirms that there is no hate speech exception to the First Amendment. Supreme Justice Samuel Alito explains, Speech that demeans on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, religion, age, disability, or any other similar ground is hateful. But the proudest boast of our free speech juroprudescence, I can barely pronounce that right, is that we protect the freedom to express the thought that we hate. Hate and the thought that we hate are two separate distinctions we must acknowledge. While we are constantly haunted by the memory of violence and its potential, we must not be fearful slaves to safe spaces. Good ideas, let alone great ideas, can never thrive in a vacuum. Personally, it's hard to imagine any form of free expression meriting the ire of the public. Nor should it be. We are freer to think today than ever. We can bear the secrets of government as easily as the secrets of our bedrooms. We can denounce our rulers and each other with little fear of the consequences. There is almost no chance that a court will stop us from publishing what we wish, in print, on air, or on the internet. Because in reality, we're not settling our disagreement by wrestling or fighting or a beauty contest or having a pistol duel. We're freeing speech between you and I, and for humanity at large, that constantly elevates, challenges, and innovates new ideas. That's all. Freedom of expression at its core is a fundamental human right that reinforces all other human rights, allowing society to develop and progress naturally. However, free speech does not mean giving bigots a free pass. It includes the right moral imperative to challenge, oppose, and protest bigoted views. And as history has shown, bad ideas are most often defeated by good ideas, backed up by ethics and reason rather than by bans and censorship. Free speech does, not, does have limits, though, and we seem to discover more every day, deciding which lines to toe and which ones to push further. 
And guess what? If you object to these arguments, if you want to expose any flaws in my logic or a lapse in historical accuracy, it's the right of free speech that allows you to do so. In the end, words matter. And some words hurt. But we know this about free speech. Discourse is all we ever truly have control of. So let's never be afraid to talk about, well, anything. Thanks for listening. Fuck you. Don't you say that. Shut up. I didn't do anything. I'm a nice man. I mind my own business. So you tell me that's that before I beat the hell from you. I have so much strength in me, you have no idea. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I would say that's that, Mattress Man. You came all the way from LA to tell me this. Yes, I did. It's all the cops? No. Alright. That's that. This is this course on this course.